0: This is July 17th, 2022, and uh I feel compelled to uh, include, include uh, to to base this Tesho on the uh the, the tremendous success last week of the James Webb Telescope space telescope JWST. Let us celebrate what an extraordinary achievement this was. Um, It's a result of 25 years of work by thousands, thousands of scientists, scientists, engineers, and administrators belonging to an international collaboration of space agencies, companies, research centers and universities worldwide. One of the project leaders uh, said this was hard to do. It is difficult to express just how hard this was. There were so many thousands of ways it could have gone wrong. But it didn't go wrong. It all came together. You know, it was so much bad news in the last few years, and so much bad, disheartening news. Um, Let's grant ourselves some moment of uh, celebration here for what an accomplishment this was. I'm going to read from, uh, if you'll forgive me, I'm going to do some reading from the New York Times. I say forgive because... uh, It's always easier to read stuff than to just speak extemporaneously, but they capture it so well. This is uh, from last week. Uh, The universe was born in darkness 13.8 billion years ago. And even after the first stars and galaxies blazed into existence, a few hundred million years later, these two stayed dark their brilliant light, stretched by time and the expanding cosmos dimmed into the infrared, rendering them and other clues to our beginnings inaccessible to every eye and instrument until now. On Tuesday, the telescope, the most powerful space observatory yet built, offered a spectacular slideshow of our previously invisible nascent cosmos. Ancient galaxies carpeting the sky like jewels on black velvet. Fledgling stars shining out from deep within cumulus clouds of interstellar dust. Hints of water vapor in the atmosphere of a remote exoplanet. Their sum is both a new vision of the universe and a view of the universe as it once appeared new. This was a collaboration uh, among NASA, the European Space Agency, and the Canadian Space Agency. This was a is, is this image uh, that was first issued last week. Uh, is approximately, it's just a tiny sliver of the night sky. It was approximately the size of a grain of sand held, held at arm's length. And yet it revealed the presence of still more galaxies spilled across the sky. The light from those galaxies magnified into visibility by the gravitational field of the cluster originated more than 13 billion years ago. And then the author explains, to look outward into space is to peer into the past. I suppose most all of you know this, but it still (laughs) blows my mind. Light travels. close to six trillion miles a year through the vacuum of space, to observe a star ten light-years away is to see it as it existed ten years ago, when the light left its surface. The farther away a star or galaxy lies, the older it is, making every telescope a kind of time machine. at the uh, Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore. <clears throat> An overflow crowd of astronomers whooped and hollered, ooed and aahed as new images flashed on the screen. The evidence that their telescope was working even better than hoped. One infrared skyscape showed Stefan's Quintet This is uh, five galaxies packed improbably tightly in the constellation Pegasus. Four are so closely engaged in a gravitational dance that they will eventually merge. Another uh, a website that I was uh, trawling um, Cosmic Dance, the same, the Stefan's Stephans Quintet. Uh, closely packed galaxies interact with dust and stars, gravitationally pulled from one to another, co mingling their material. Makes me think of Sachine. Just to just to put a period on this, the scale of this, uh, a couple of websites I came across. um, space.com, nineplanets.org, and Popular Mechanics uh, say that uh, currently the observable universe seems to contain at least two trillion galaxies. All right, trillion. Who knows what that is? Uh, you know, in a in a gut way, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is just one among the, those numerous galaxies and it isn't even considered a big galaxy. The Milky Way, our little Milky Way, may contain at least 100 billion planets and around 400 billion stars. So, 2 trillion of those and many of them bigger. How do we get our minds around this? Do we even need to? It's it's. Another uh, source said that the, the purpose of this space telescope is to explore origins, the origins of the universe, of galaxies, of stars. Of life, a long time ago—not long in these in these terms uh, of light years—but uh, back in uh, early Buddhism, uh, there was uh, a sutra that came about. The, uh, it's called the Avatamska Sutra, also known as the Flower Garland Sutra, or the Flower Ornament Sutra. In Chinese, it's the Yen Sutra, Japanese, it's the Kagan Sutra. It's not specifically Zen, A Zen Sutra, like the Diamond Sutra, or the Sutra of the Sixth Patriarch, or the Diamond or the uh, Vimalakirti Sutra, uh, or the Shuangama Sutra. Uh, but it's uh, it has the most it's a huge it's 39 sutras rolled into one sutra by the way for very new people sutra just means scripture it's one of the uh, this one is the foundational text or sutra of the of the sect of Buddhism. It's not Zen sect, but it's very much highly regarded in Zen, and always has been by many of the masters. In this sutra, <clears throat> I fished out from these 1,600 pages uh, a chapter called The Formation of the Worlds. And just to get a sense of the the scale of um, traditional Buddhist perspective, uh, you don't need to compare it to the Bible, which is so much focused on uh, this earth and man's dominion over all the species. But uh, I I couldn't help but think of of, uh, some of these verses when I read of what was discovered last week. This is is a few, few verses. There are some varieties of lands all made of undefiled jewels, pure gems, the most exquisite, radiating everywhere, oceans of light. Then there are lands of pure light which rest in the realm of space. Some are in oceans of jewels, some rest in minds of light. Buddha in the midst of this ocean of groups expounds teachings all skillful and subtle. The realm of the Buddhas is boundlessly vast. Beings who see it are gladdened at heart. Even in literally think of the all the people all around the world last week who are gladdened at heart. He goes on, Some are embellished with precious stones shaped like flower lamps in vast arrays. They're clouds of fragrant flame light blazing with color covered with webs of jewel lights. Those of you who saw some of these images, these incredible images can... Can relate to this language. Some, some lands have no boundaries, they rest in the deep, immense lotus sea, broad, pure, unique among worlds. Some world oceans revolve, stabilized by Buddha's power. Enlightening beings are everywhere there, always seeing immeasurably vast treasures. So, the, the, the basic theme of the YN Sutra that I was just reading from is the mutually unobstructed interpenetration. It teaches that the human mind is the universe itself and is identical with Buddha. Remember Buddha, in its simplest, the one, one we're going to use here, it just means awareness doesn't mean some guy, a god uh, who's omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent. Buddha, when we talk about the Buddha, it's a, okay, a historical person, Siddhartha originally. But Buddha, think big. It's our own mind, it's our own awareness that is beyond age. Remember, Roshi Kaplow in his seventies or eighties saying, you know, I don't actually feel old um, in a in, in sense. Yes, my body, the aches and pains and everything, but in another way, I don't feel older. And, and I didn't quite get it at the time. I do now. It's uh, it's this ageless awareness, when we're aware, how can we put an age on that, if we're aware, at that moment? It's Buddha. The human mind is the universe itself and is identical with Buddha. That Buddha, mind, and all sentient beings and things are one and the same. There it is. The, uh, the Japanese master uh, considered the first in the Rinzai tradition, put it this way, Great is mind. This, by the way, is mind with a capital M. Heaven's height is immeasurable. <laughs> Think of those descriptions I just read of the galaxies. Heaven's height is immeasurable, but mind goes beyond heaven. The earth's depth is also unfathomable, but mind reaches below the earth. The light of the sun and moon cannot be outdistanced, yet mind passes beyond the light of the sun and moon.
1: Again, awareness,
0: Buddha. The macrocosm is limitless, yet mind travels outside the macrocosm. How great is space! How great the primal energy! Still mind encompasses space and generates the primal energy. Because of it, heaven covers and earth upbears. Because of it, the sun and moon move on, the four seasons pass in succession, and all things are generated. Great indeed is mind. Hakuen, uh, some 400 or 500 years later in Japan, simply said, "I am the sun and the moon and the stars and the wide, wide earth." Well, let's not leave out the earth. You don't have to look only up. The what we call the sky, the heavens. It's not just up. We're, we're of course, a a globe in space. If we could look, if we had x-ray vision, we'd look down through the earth into space, different segment of space. in case you couldn't tell, I've always been immensely uh, fascinated and inspired by astronomy. There was a time when I was uh, in middle school, I don't know, 14 or 15, when um, I uh, was put into a special class in the summer where my project, we all had projects, each of us, and mine was to... Present, read, and present uh, the possibility of life on Mars is <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, so allow me some thrill about all this, and yet, as enthralling. As this view into deep deep space is, and inspiring, it's inspiring. It's still looking outside us, outside oneself. It's still dwelling on objects that we imagine to be out there apart from this one. And what co- comes to me in the midst of my excitement about this is how much will it contribute to our living in peace with others, not to mention how that $30 billion, on this, this one project, $30 billion, um, how much could that have been used to help those in need? And then imagine all the many other billions spent by NASA alone since the 1960s. But leaving aside uh, money, how does the this marvelous ability to see distant galaxies bring us any closer to true peace of mind? Same with... Uh, space voyages within our own solar system? How does it help us realize the great matter? That is, how does it help us come to terms with our inevitable death? For whom the bell tolls. Uh, In the last century, Jean-Paul Sartre, the uh, French existentialist, he said, everything has been figured out except how to live. That's our business. In Zen, how to live? You know, the uh, there's this uh, part of the the legend of the Buddha was that uh, when he was Assailed by Mara, the uh, personification of of evil, uh, when he was uh, sitting under the Bodhi tree and and uh, on the brink of enlightenment, Mara uh, called out to him, uh, "How can you hope to do this?" Uh, in other words, to generate doubt, self doubt in the mind of the Buddha, and 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 what we're told, and we don't have to take this literally, but What we're told is that the Buddha just placed his hand on the earth, calling the earth to witness, calling to witness uh, his many, many lifetimes of service to others. that led to the merit that brought him to this point. But another way, it just occurred to me, another way to understand this placing The hand to the earth is, when all is said and done, here we are. We walk on the earth. We sit on the earth. It could be seen as a reminder, in this case, for us in the 21st century, that we need to use this human body-mind to realize the essential while we still have the time, however time may be left for any one of us, who knows? And there is this, this uh, great... Emphasis or orientation in Zen on, on uh, attending to this life right here where we are, the practical, the concrete. There's an old saying uh, the Zen person has her head in the clouds but her feet on the ground. This, this, uh, this, this. This, all this matter of exploration we can get so heady of the head, logos, knowledge. There's a koan in the uh, Book of Serenity, Shoyoroku, where uh, Master D. Zhang asked uh, another master, well, I don't know whether it's a master or a monk. Um, let's call him his His name here in the koan is Shu uh, Shan Shu. Let's call him Shu. Dizang asked Shu, Where have you come from? Shu replied, From the south. Dizang said, How is Buddhism in the south these days? Meaning the south of, of China. And Shu said, It is widely discussed. Oh, yes, we can. There's so much we can talk about, the sutras and the shastras and, and all. And Dītzang said, how can that compare to my planting the fields and growing rice to eat? Now this probably was on, a new idea to Xu because he said, how can you save the beings of the three worlds that way? And then the punchline of the koan. dizong said, "What is it that you call the three worlds?" Well, just a, a little moment of uh, Buddhist doctrine. The three worlds is just a, a way of talking about the world of desire, the world of form, without desire and the world of formlessness. You don't need to remember that. It's, it's just a way of talking about everything everywhere, the three worlds. So this Shu, the monk, uh, he probably was well-versed in the, the three worlds, his doctrine, he'd done his studying. But see, Dizan brings him back to this. What is, what is this three worlds? What about this? Socrates said, wisdom begins in wonder. And that's, those are, those are uh, words that can galvanize us in Zen practice. But, but also, in the, the, the science, specifically now space exploration, uh, at its best inspires wonder in us. Who, who can look up, look into those images or just look up at the sky at night and not feel some degree of wonder? Well, maybe maybe many people, but it offers the opportunity to feel wonder, awe. And the same with Zen practice. In, in our deepest meditation, we will feel awe, we will feel wonder, but, but which of these, space exploration or deep meditation, is more likely to lead to wisdom? Wisdom begins in wonder. Back to the theme of the, uh, the Avatamska Sutra, uh, we, we, we recite, we chant in the Affirming Faith and Mind, uh, things are things because of mind, as mind is mind because of things. These two are merely relative and both at source are emptiness. So we have a word we call mind, we have a word, we, we, the, the things, environment. And philosophers have debated for centuries about the relationship between mind and environment or things. But behind this, what can be quite useful distinction, uh, what is there? There's another famous statement of the Buddha, I declare to you that in this very body, though only six feet in length, but conscious and endowed with mind, are the world, and the origin of the world, and the ceasing of the world, and likewise the way that leads to the ceasing of the world. This is what the Chinese masters meant when they refer to the body of reality. Capital B, capital R. I've often uh, quoted the Zen uh, master Dogen from the thirteenth century. You think that your mind is thoughts and concepts but actually it is mountains and rivers and grasses and stones and now we can add galaxies, exoplanets, interstellar dust, mind. Again, our our mandate as practitioners of the Dharma to not get attached to the so-called world out there as if anything were out there. The world out there, the world of objects. We might ask, what is it that is seeing those images of deep space? What engineered and designed and engineered all those mirrors and other components of the telescope? What is it that's hearing my words now, really? Here's another cool koan from the uh, Book of Serenity, not the easiest one, but uh, I, when I read these koans I trust that even people who can make no sense of them might get a gut feeling about what it's pointing to. Uh, so it's, again, it's two masters, Kaushan and uh, Elder De. D-E, uh, the E is pronounced like uh, well, like that. Um, Kaushan asked the elder, The true Dharma body of Buddha is like the vast sky. It manifests form in response to things like the moon and the water. How do you explain this responsiveness? And the elder said, it's like a donkey looking into a well. And then to that Kaushan said, well said, but that's only 80% of it. So the elder said, well, about how about you teacher? What would you say? And Kaushan said, it's like the well looking at the donkey. Hundreds of years after this encounter between Kaushan and the elder, Nietzsche said, Stare long enough into the abyss and the abyss will stare into you. As uh, as marvelous as as stirring as this past week has been, with the images that have been released, and just imagine all the ones that are, the images and and, and information discoveries that are going to be coming in the next months and years. As marvelous all as all that is, it's all just half the truth. No matter how fully developed, how extensive it can be, ever can be, it's only half. It's the side of form, of things. Reality, what we call reality. Reality always has two sides to it. the, the relative side and the absolute side, the, ra- the ra- realm of form, the world of phenomena, that is, and on the other hand, the world of no form, the formless, emptiness. Roshi Kapo uh, came up with a, an, an analogy that uh, I think is very good. Um, I usually talk about two sides of a coin. What he used to say at introductory workshops was, a watch a wristwatch and uh, just for the purposes of the analogy uh, let's say that the back of the watch has nothing on it no little etchings or numbers or the name of the manufacturer or anything it's blank the back of the watch is blank and, and then you've got the front the face of the watch with all those numbers and the movement of the hands if it's an analog but let's say just all those numbers. This, this face is the side of differentiation, differences, change. That's the, the side of the of the relative, the conventional view of things, even of vast space. The the other side, the side, that blank side that's we don't see because it's against our wrist is the side of no thing, no things, emptiness, shunyata. If the face is time, the other side is no time, the changeless, eternity. There's no watch or coin it has only one side. Even if you, if you made a watch that was a millionth of a micrometer thin, there's still another side to it. If, if there aren't two sides, it has, has no reality to it. Buddhism the, is a, one little facet of Buddhist doctrine is the three wheels. And the three wheels refers to the the object seen, the subject who's seeing, and the act of seeing. So that's the act of seeing includes these other two components, all three of them. So looking into deep space, well, there it is, all those incredible mind-blowing galaxies out there there's the one who sees it and that pulls together the whole view the 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 seeing the seer the scene and the seeing and ultimately all three are without any substantiality to them in flux. There's nothing permanent there. We can be we can be astonished to look out and see what they're describing as these uh, stellar nurseries, the, the, the birth of worlds, which the the sutra itself referred to, the formation of worlds. But hold on. There's also what Zen Master Banké referred to as the unborn. That's the the backside of the watch. The unborn, the undying. Ultimately, that is our work in Zen. Zen. To see that, and to see that the the world of, of birth and death, creation and destruction is no other than the world that is beyond that. There's just one watch, one coin. And so, through usually years of sitting and and if possible, Having that boosted by the occasional sesshin, we can come to see the both sides of these as interpenetrating, non-dual. And even just in one round of sitting, truly, it's possible to reach this this realm of the absolute of no thingness. We'll stop now and recite the four vows.